So we're continuing, for those who have visited us for the first time, for the last four weeks, we've been continuing our series on growing in grace. I know you understand that receiving grace is a one-time event, and it's as a free gift to us all. But once we receive it, once we receive grace, we are to radiate its fragrance, that amazing grace. When you radiate the fragrance, you are now growing in grace. Remember the example of me receiving a cologne as a Christmas gift that I have never opened it and never used it? I knew I had it. It was in my dark closet, but I never got to, it never got to give off its beautiful fragrance. So I finally had to go and open that thing. It's on me right now. It gives off nice fragrance. You see, grace is like that too. Once we receive it, we need to release its fragrance. That's why Peter said, and this is our theme scripture, 2 Peter 3, but grow in the grace. And knowledge of our Lord in Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Now, let's go back and, and, and examine exactly what this means. See, when you receive grace as a free gift, that's when we call we are saved. That process is called salvation. That process is called justification, if you're into all these big words. But the moment that you are saved, which means you have received that grace as free gift, that's the beginning of new journey in Christ. That time, whether you're 10 years old, whether you're 15 or 90 years old, we become a baby again in Christ. And we need to do things so that we could grow to be like Christ. And that we call sanctification. A process of getting better. Refinement. going into that maturity as a Christian, or even purification. It's a continuing process. So we call that a sanctification. Sanctification simply means grow in grace. Now, as we attempt to grow in grace... You may be in a baby stage. You may be in a teenager stage. But we fall. You may be in a teenager. You fall back to a baby. Maybe you have a climb up to be about adolescent, but you climb, uh, fall back down to baby state again. And each time we start all over again, just like trees, 
trees, they start with the spring. They're like teenagers. They're babies. Summer. They're in adolescence. Full of leaves. Fall. Bearing fruits. Adult. Then we face the fall, the winter. We lose everything. All its, its beauty, the leaves are all fallen off. They become naked. We become naked. We fall. But because of the grace, we look forward to the coming spring, summer, and fall again. The beauty thing, beautiful thing about all this is that each year, as the tree goes through the cycle, it gets bigger and bigger, taller and taller, bears more leaves and bears more fruits. Today we're going to focus on how we can grow in grace by not doing something. Often when we think about growing, we think about doing something. We've got to do something. Today we'll focus how to grow in grace by not doing something. Now, this should be music to your ears. It's like, you mean I can lose weight, 5 pounds, 20 pounds, without doing anything? Of course you can. You don't have to go to the gym all the time to do something like go to the gym. It's something real simple, not doing anything. What? Don't eat. Then you'll lose weight. It's very simple. There are things. And if we don't do it, they will constitute growing in grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's really simple. In other words, if we don't do the things that God does not want us to do, then we are growing in grace. Did you get that? If we don't do the things that God does not want us to do, then we are growing in grace. Now, wow, gee, that's tough. Is it? Not eating? That's tough. I'd rather go and exercise. I'd rather go do something, exercise to lose weight than not eat. Well, you know, we are all capable of not doing in growing grace, uh, in growing grace. And I'm going to give you, well, in fact, every single one of us live it. In other words, every single one of us, at least six to even not eight hours a day, we do nothing when we grow in grace. And I'm going to give you this illustration, a prayer by some person, and it is the essence of today's message. And I want you to pay attention to this simple prayer. Here it goes. Dear Lord, so far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been grumpy, greedy, nasty, selfish, or even indulgent. I am really glad about that. Now, how many people believe that if you 
can do that prayer that God will be pleased. It's okay, you can raise your hand, yes. God will be so pleased. But that's not where this prayer ends. Here's the ending of that prayer. But in a few minutes, God, I am going to get out of the bed. From then on, I am going to need a lot more help. Amen. You know, you know what we should do right now? I think, I think you get it. I think we should just pray together. The same prayer. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, gracious Father, we're studying this about growing in grace. And we realize that we're all capable of growing in grace. Last night, we all have been really, really good. Early this morning, we're really, really good. With no gossip, no temper, no anger. Was not grumpy, greedy, nasty, or selfish. And I know, we know that you're very happy about that. And yet, God, we just woke up. We're out of bed, not sleeping anymore. We're afraid we're going to make some big mistakes today. We're afraid that we might fall right back down from growing in grace. So we need your help to keep us in that way while we are awake. So please, God, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. That's our prayer together. If you can live like that, we will be growing in grace. So what does God desire? How can we grow in grace? By sleeping, not doing anything. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. And I want to begin reading it from Colossians um, chapter 5 first. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Now, continuation, verse 8. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as this, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, 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 in the image of its creator. These are the very reasons why we fall from growing in grace. Our theme scripture reminds us again, 2 Peter, for grow in grace, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, at this time, I just want to focus a little bit on this knowledge. What is this knowledge? See, most of the people, we have been going to school from, from kindergarten to uh, you know, elementary school to junior high school, high school, college, when we think about knowledge, is whatever is in the textbook. That's what we think the knowledge is. The facts. They're not all knowledges. Colossians mentioned knowledge in the image of its creator. It's about knowing, understanding the image of 
Christ, God, that is also knowledge. Second Peter mentions knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This knowledge is not about, oh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He ministered to us about three years. It's not that kind of knowledge. The knowledge is not just about the facts. Here, the meaning of knowledge is understanding the nature of Christ Jesus, who he is, the fact that he is full of grace, that he himself is grace. Even when he was once a little irritated, upset, and he overturned the table in the temple, he was simply protecting God's grace because people were selling doves, which represents the grace. And he didn't like it. He had to stop it to protect the grace. Suppose you heard your friend lied and made you upset. Let's assume that that's the fact, that he or she lied. Yes, that is information. That information is an informed knowledge. But in this context, when God says growing grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, our role is to really know and understand your friend's integrity and the character and his true nature. Then our response should be instead of criticizing your friend right away, which actually may cause you to fall from the grace. And you say, because he or she is my friend, this is not the friend I know. That's the knowledge. My knowledge of my friend is that he would never do something like that. He must have a good reason well, there must be misunderstanding. How many people would like to have friends like that? That is growing in grace. It takes years to develop that. Just look at the trees. They go through this cycle every year, but each year they grow bigger and bigger and taller and taller. Receiving grace can happen anytime since it was already given to us by the death of Jesus and the resurrection. Growing grace is to be renewed in knowledge in the image of our Creator. So therefore, Proverbs 18.15 says, the heart of prudent the heart of a prudent. We, as all Christians, as we mature, we should have the heart of a prudence. Acquires knowledge. As we grow in grace, we must go and acquire the knowledge 
and the ear of the wise seek the knowledge, understanding the nature of our Christ. Not simply the facts. English standard version says, an intelligent heart, I like to think all of you are very intelligent people, intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the year of the wise seek knowledge. This is not just things about facts, numbers, equations, or formulas. This is not about the knowledge of facts like one plus one equal to two. This knowledge is about knowing the very nature of God and growing to be like Him. So to grow in grace, to become like Christ, we must seek the knowledge of our Lord. And that knowledge for today's scripture is that our Lord wants us to grow in grace not by doing things like Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. I know. That's hard. But the good news, we don't do them while we are in bed. So therefore, we're capable of not doing those things. And when you're in sleep, not doing those things, God is pleased. The only difference is when we're awake, do the same way. Not do it. So I came up with this slide. Instead of, instead of Nike saying, just do it, sometimes you have to say, just don't do it. Colossians, this scripture is all about not doing something so that we can grow in grace. Let's see. Anger. That's hard. How many people say you never, ang- you never get angry? My wife thought that when I, she first met me, she said, you never get angry. She said, when we got married, she realized I get angry quite a bit. The thing is, every time I get angry, I get in trouble. I slip down from that 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 the that growing grace slope and back down to teenage and baby baby stage. Ask my daughters, they'll say the same thing. Sometimes I justify, hey, I'm father, I have a right to be angry for things that you have done. But what I'm realizing is that when I get angry, from kids' perspective, I have been fallen from that grace. I am back being baby again. Rage. Rage is a violent, uncontrollable anger. If you do that, people will know immediately that you have fallen from the grace. Back down. You have not fallen from salvation. You're back down that big red bubble, right above the red bubble. You're still saved, but you're baby again. You're crowing. Malice. Malice is wrongful intention, ill will, desire to do evil, wrongful accusations. These are not good. This is one of the seven things that God hates. 
You know what it says in the Proverbs about seven things that is detestable to God? A heart that devises wicked schemes. Now, we're all capable of doing this when we're angry, when we're upset. Slander. What's a slander? Slander is giving a false statement. When you are lightly giving a little bit of exaggeration, that exaggeration ends up hurting your people is also a form of slander. If you go around and say, you don't, you, know, you, don't, you don't like some actions about that particular person, instead of saying, you know, I don't really like what you do over there. Most people bypass that and say they use somebody else's excuse. You know, a lot of people in my, our office, a lot of people in church, they don't really like what you do. You know how hurtful that is to that person listening? Do you, you've experienced it. It is very, very hurtful because it's not about the action. What hurts them is, what? Everybody in the church, everybody in the office thinks that I'm horrible? That hurts. You have just, what you just did is, you think it's exaggeration, but it's, you have actually slender a particular person. God, don't like that. Filthy language. You think it's cool because when you go to see movies, they people curse all the time in the movies. Well, provided it's PG thirteen and up and R rated. You think it's so cool, but think about it. When you curse, when somebody curse, the moment you hear it, that person has fallen from the grace, from your perspective of grace. People's knowledge of that person's image had just been declined or altered, even though they may hang out with you. Do not lie. Well, I don't need to expand on it. The only thing I need to tell you about not lying or lying is that's another one of the seven things God hates. It's one of, another one of those things that God detestable to God. It says, lying tongue. I hate, I don't like, God says, very clearly, the lying tongues. So if you don't do those things, then you will grow in grace. If you let go, don't do anything, don't touch, you will live in grace and you will grow in grace. I told this story some many years ago, so I'm going to tell you about my first solo practice for my pilot license. This would have been some, I don't know, 30-some uh, years ago, and uh, I was kind of, my instructor says, I think, Tim, you're ready to go for your solo practice before you get certified. I said, I was somewhat excited, but I was very nervous. Because all this time, I was in the plane with my instructor. This will be my very first time I'm going to go up in the air all by myself. I'm not even licensed yet because it's that practice time. So I need to do this in order to get licensed. So I got up in the air. But there are a couple of things that you have to do. I have to go up there on my own, practice some of the things that they're going to 
uh, uh, test me on the day they're going to uh, test me. Basically what that is, I need to bring the airplane to idle speed. Idle speed is basically when plane has no lift. It's not like, it's technically plane is moving, flying, but it has no lift, basically no lift. You know what that means? That means the wings with the Bernoulli's theorem, the pressure brings uh, lift airplane. When there's no lift, there's no lift, and it's ready to fall. But you bring the throttle, the engine, to lowest point, and you maintain the attitude. You cannot come down even 100 feet, then you fail. So you have to bring the plane in a stall position. To bring stall position, you have to bring the plane from horizontal to 45-degree angle. A little bit of the engine will push the plane, but the wing has no lift. And you have to maintain it for about a minute or so. And then you uh, bring the speed back, and then you get back. Because this is the one of the exam uh, demonstrations you have to show. So I was in my position and um, took a big, deep breath. And then I basically cut the engine to totally idle. You can actually see the propeller like doing this. Very slow, it doesn't have anything. And then plane is beginning to fall. Then you bring plane to angle, so it won't fall. And plane continued to slow down. So it was about a minute passed by, so I said, yeah, I did it. So what I have to do is now reach out to the throttle and all the way, so bring the engine speed to maximum speed. Now, you're supposed to, I'm in this position. You've got to do like this. But because I was leaning backwards, I had to, like, get up and, and push the throttle. And I didn't realize what I was doing. I, went, I reached out by moving, shifting my body slightly about a foot to push the throttle. Well, at this point, airplane is extremely sensitive. I shifted the center of gravity of that big plane and has no lift, that little movement was enough for plane to go like dive into spiral. It went right from this position to mm, like that. The only thing I could see was a water blow because I was practicing on top of over the water. I was scared. My heart was pounding like crazy. What do I do? What do I do? I gotta get out of this situation. I gotta stabilize this airplane. And I mean, you know what you do? You tight, hold on to the control wheel called aileron in trying to do this, but it doesn't do anything because it doesn't have any, any power. It doesn't have any ability to do anything, but there's no speed, there's no, no wind. Rudders doesn't do anything. But I, in that frantic state, I was doing this, trying to hold on to aileron. And then I heard, maybe that was the Holy Spirit. I remember what my instructor told me. When you're in there, when you're in trouble, do not touch anything. Let go of everything. In fact, do not do anything. Is that easy or is that difficult? You know, the plane is diving. You're about to die within 10 seconds or 15, 20 seconds. 
I was in 10,000 feet. Our tendency, we try to hold on to that wheel. Even though it doesn't respond, you try to do something. That's what we do. And when, a, when, a, when you're driving a car, you go into the sh- uh, uh, sheet of ice and, and the car is spinning and you try to do the wheel, it doesn't do anything. It's the same thing. But you're holding on to the wheel, thinking that if you stir it, the car will straighten itself. We'll never do that. Then I remember, the instructor told me, when you're in trouble, let go and do not do anything. And in a split second, I let go of everything. I didn't do anything. While the plane is designed, if you let it go, if you don't do anything, it's designed to level itself. Because as the plane goes down, what does it do? It picks up the speed on its own through the gravity. And as it does, it goes around and it's around. As it picks up the speed, it just levels itself on its own. So I didn't do anything. Within about three, four, five seconds, the plane was leveled. And I said, oh, my, thank God. But then I touched my chest here. It was like... <laughs> I became a better pilot because I experienced... The winter, the helpless moment. I became a better pilot because I did not do what some might actually do when in trouble. I became a better pilot because I became more confident in the way the plane was designed to fly on its own. I gained the knowledge about the nature of the plane that gave me the confidence and the integrity of the airplane. Growing in grace is the same way. When we experience the winter of our lives, nakedness, we grow. When God says not to do And if you don't do it, then we grow in grace. When we gain more and more knowledge of the image of Jesus, we then grow in grace. And when we focus on the saving nature of God's grace, then it's no question that we'll grow in grace.